God often reveals his truth to us, whether it is about himself, us, or the relationships therein through the natural world. This is revealed to us by Paul in Romans 1, 19-20, which says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is also true for man-made things such as film, and I would like to show how he does just that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Welcome to episode 19 of Oh How Marvelous, and today we will be talking about Thor Ragnarok. But before we get into that, I would like to say that I am doing a giveaway. You may have already seen my TikTok video on TikTok and the social media platforms. I will get into the details of that later, though, at the end of the episode, so be sure to stick around. You do not want to miss out on that. Now, I really loved Thor Ragnarok. I don't remember my theater experience with it, but I do remember that I really enjoyed it. It was a great twist to the genre of what the Thor films had already been. I think Taika Waititi did a really good job adding the comedic twist to the Thor franchise. Um, And then with Thor Love and Thunder, it was overdone, but I'll get into that. But yes, I really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok um, with great additions of characters. It set a great tone for it. So, yeah. But a few things that I didn't really enjoy about it was, one, they should have left Hulk out of the promotional stuff, out of the posters, out of the trailers, all of that. That way, the scene where he comes in would have been all the better because, like, when they were in the trailers and all that, like, we saw that moment coming. They were leading up to a great moment within the film, but, like, we knew what was going to happen. So if they had just left Hulk out of the promotional stuff, it would have been so much better. That moment would have been so much better, and it would have been such... It probably would have been the best um, big reveal within the MCU. I love that. Um, I would have loved it. Um... But they did make that mistake. Um, They just should have left Hulk out of the promotional stuff. That's all I have to say about that one. But my only other gripe is that the Warriors 3, um, I, I don't know why they did it like this. Why did they have to kill them off as if they were nothing? Was it to show Hela's power? Was it to be like, okay, we're done with these characters now? Um, so goodbye. Uh, They just were such a vital part of Thor's story. They were so vital to um, the first Thor movie and Thor The Dark World. But then they were killed off like they were nothing here. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like Taika Waititi honestly just didn't know what to do with those characters. And so he, he only resorted to just killing them off just like that. 
I don't know if it was just to show how powerful hell it was, but or just add to Thor's um, grievances or griefs. Um, I don't know, but if they're gonna kill them off, they could have done it better. Um, at least give them a fair fight against her, something like that. You know, um, there was that one guy though that did have kind of a chance, um, but even then he was kind of easily defeated. I would have loved to see them actually legitimately fight um, with Thor or something like that. That would have been really cool. But given these two gripes, I still love the movie. It was amazing. Um, so without further ado, we're going to get to my likes list. Um, so first of all, we have my favorite character, of course, is Thor. Up until this point in the MCU, he just seemed like a very serious kind of character. Sure, he had his humorous moments, especially um, in his interactions with Hulk previously, like in The Avengers, where they're both just standing there and Hulk just punches him and knocks him off screen. I loved it. Um, but yeah, he just seemed like a very serious character up until this point. And I loved that Chris Hemsworth was finally able to be allowed to put himself into the character. He really loves to put humor into his characters if he can. And so I'm glad that Taika Waititi finally allowed for that to happen. A little too much in Thor Love and Thunder, again. But um, I will get to that episode um, where I will have all the gripes in the world. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I, I just love that Thor is just pretty humorous in this movie, and it's great. Some honorable mention characters are like Valkyrie, Loki, the Grandmaster, and Korg. Um, I, I especially love that Jeff Goldblum played the Grandmaster. Uh, he did the job beautifully. I, th I think that he also kind of inserted quite a bit of himself into that character there. And Valkyrie was well done, but I really also kind of loved Korg. Um, he probably would have been my second choice for favorite character for sure. He's just funny. He's played by Taika Waititi. Of course, he basically plays himself in everything that he has a character in, Taika. And so I loved Korg's personality. Uh, I love that he makes rock, paper, scissors jokes which in-universe is self-deprecating, so I just love that kind of thing. I just love Korg. It was fantastic. It was great to have him um, added to the MCU. Um, we didn't need him, but I guess you could say that he's the character that we didn't need, but we always wanted, or maybe, I don't know, didn't want but always needed, I, I guess. Whichever way you want to look at it, um, he is definitely a great addition to the MCU, and I love Korg. He is fantastic. Now, on to my favorite scene. Um, first, I gotta mention some honorable mentions here. First of all, you have um, the scene right after Thor is captured by Valkyrie, um, or Scrapper 142, whatever the number is, and... Uh, He's in the chair, and you have this, like, voiceover, this lady talking about, you are now meeting the Grand Master. I love the visuals in it. Um, it was fantastic. I I loved that the voice just sounded, like, somewhat comforting, yet also creepy at the same time. It was a great touch there. Um, it's just a great scene. Um, also, 
gotta mention the Doctor Strange scene. Um, I love how it starts out with um, a portal opening where Loki just tends to fall for 30 minutes. And Thor's like, is that you? And Loki's like, it's not me. <laughs> and uh, I just love the interaction that Thor and Doctor Strange have. And then I love how Doctor Strange, when he's like, when Thor's ready to go see his father, um, go see Odin in Norway, how Doctor Strange just kind of forgets about Loki. And Thor's like, I suppose I'll need my brother back. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved that there. Um, plus, it was really cool to just kind of see Thor kind of meet a new Avenger and get really confused. Um, I love the comedic touch that they had there. And they still kind of allowed for Doctor Strange to still be the serious person that he is and still have that humor there. Uh, it was a great touch. The next honorary mention, honorable mention scene that I want to talk about is the story or the scene where um, Thor is talking to Bruce and Valkyrie about um, when he and Loki were kids and Loki turned himself into a snake and then scared him. And <laughs> actually, apparently, that line itself was ad-libbed by Chris Hemsworth. And that's why you some somehow he gets a chuckle out of Tom Hiddleston there. Uh, and so that smile that Tom Hiddleston makes is him trying very much to stay in character while also kind of laughing at the ad-libbed line. So, uh, but it was very well done execution there by Tom Hiddleston with his reaction. Uh, I loved it. Um, also, just the fact that when Bruce first sees Loki, that he's like, oh, where are you at these days? Last time I saw you, you were killing people. <laughs> and he's like, it varies from moment to moment. Um, just a great scene overall there. I loved the scene kind of immediately after that where Thor and Loki team up and they talk about um, what their life was like in their family and that they both had the same, same idea that Loki should stay on Sakaar, um, so on and so forth. I, I just love that scene too because uh, they actually make a good combat team there too, um, as you see with a guy coming out of the elevator. Um, and then uh, another scene to mention is when Korg meets Loki. <laughs> Loki's like, you seem to be in grand or great need of leadership. And he's like, well, thank you. Um, I love the interaction there. Fantastic. Um, and the last honorable mention scene I want to talk about here is... Um, it's after the battle with Hela where after Thor has lost his eye, um, and she's like, oh, now you look more like him. Uh, it's when she has him pinned down to the rail, and he just has these flashbacks to Odin. And um, he is actually talking to Odin, and this is when Odin just helps him realize that Asgard is not a place, it's a people. And... I, I just love that scene because it just really helped him hone in on who he is. Helped him realize that he's not the god of hammers. He's the god of thunder. And I loved that. It was a very great motivational moment for him.
And now for my favorite scene of the film. It is actually in my top five favorite scenes for the entire MCU. It actually was my favorite scene at that point up until Endgame came out. And probably for obvious reasons. And I'll talk about that when I get to Endgame. But my favorite scene from this film is when Hulk first comes out and they have the fight in the arena. And I love um, Thor's reaction to see him. He's like, yes, he's a friend from work. And I love Loki's reaction the entire time. If I could be a fly on the wall in the room where the Grandmaster and Loki were during that match just to watch Loki, I would have been. I probably would have paid good money to see that too, honestly. Because Loki's reaction was so fantastic. He was scared and then... When Hulk just kind of threw Thor around, you see Loki just cheering and just remembering what happened to him by at the hands of the Hulk in the events of the Avengers. I love that great throwback moment there too. It is a very fantastic scene. Again, top five in the MCU for sure. And now on to the quotes. I have several honorable mentions to bring up. Before I get to the favorite quote here. First one is, because that's what heroes do. Um, Thor says it several times throughout the movie. And I love the moment right before he says it the first time. Where he throws the ball at the window thinking that it'll break. But the ball just bounces and hits him in the face. I love it. <laughs> it, it does recuperate rather well though. Um, gotta give that to him. Um... Uh, Another honorable mention quote here is his opening speech where he's talking to that skeleton in a cage. And he's like, oh no, Thor was in a cage. What happened now? Uh, all that. I love that. Um, also, his conversation with Surger there is kind of funny too. I love it. Um, the next honorable mention quote here um, is when Thor realizes he needs to help Valkyrie in this space air flight. And he's like, Banner, take over the ship. Take over flying the ship. And he's like, use one of your seven PhDs. And then Banner says, none of them are for flying alien spaceships. <laughs> With increasing volume, too. I love it. Uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo delivers that line so well. Uh, also, when Loki enters Asgard again, he says, your savior is here. I love it. Uh, very Loki of him. Uh, gotta love Tom Hiddleston. Uh, he does great with the role of Loki. Um, and then later on in the fight, much after, or a little bit after that line comes up, you see Heimdall tell Loki, I saw you coming. And he's like, of course you did. I, I love those moments right there. And then when Loki sees Thor on the Rainbow Bridge after fighting Hela, after Thor fought Hela, he's like, you're missing an eye. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I love, honestly, the relationship between Loki and Thor is enhanced really well in this movie, and I love it. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, so that does it for the honorable quotes, but my favorite quote, I mentioned it earlier in this episode, but it the idea of it came from Odin where he says, something along the lines of it, but later on, Heimdall says to Thor, Asgard is not a place. 
It's a people. And that is a very powerful line. And I think that really stuck with Thor because that is the last thing that Heimdall ever said to him before his death from the events in Infinity War. And so I love that. Um, and I'll get into some theological implications behind that line too. So because there are some. And so, yeah, we'll get to that later. And I just love that line. It's very thought-provoking and it really helps you think about things from a different light, really. Yeah, and so before we get to other general things that I liked about the film, um, we got to talk about the Stan Lee cameo. Because this was a great Stan Lee cameo. I gave it an 8.3 out of 10. I really loved it. I love that he got to interact with Thor. And Thor's like, please, kind sir, do not cut my hair. Ah! <laughs> I, I love that Stanley had a good cameo in this, and it was well done. Again, I gave it an 8.3 out of 10, uh, which is pretty high up compared to the most of the rest of the other cameos that he's had in the MCU. Now, the general other things that I really enjoyed about this film... I loved that in the scene where Thor um, is revealing Loki for who he is, as Loki is still pretending to be Odin, um, you see that when Odin, not Odin, when Loki reveals himself, and he's like, okay, I yield. You see the guy who um, is the actor for Odin, you see that those actors react, but like his eye patch just comes falling off. I love it. <laughs> That's a great, uh, great visual comedy there. Um, and speaking of great visuals, um, the whole movie had great visuals. Um, I mentioned earlier the scene where Thor is about to green, meet the Grand Master. You have all the different um, portals in Sakaar. Um, like all the visuals were just so well done. Even like the fight scene with Hela in the Bifrost. Uh, I loved it. Um, and we even got to see like some of the landscape of Asgard. I loved that too. Um, uh, Heimdall does a great job um, fighting those zombie Asgardian soldiers, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I love that. Um, another great thing is um, the get help scene. I forgot about to put that in the scenes, but like it's it's a great bit. I love that they um, talk about doing that in their childhood and. Loki's like, it's so embarrassing. Please stop. Don't do it. <laughs> and Thor's like, it's not embarrassing for me. Uh, I love that. You know, one thing I forgot to write down, though. I love that Thor finally figured out that Loki was, yet again, going to betray him and try to do his own thing. Um, and so he tricked Loki out of it. Um, not tricked Loki out of it, but he tricked Loki before Loki tricked him. And... Loki was actually kind of proud of him for that. <laughs> um, and I love that Odin, even at the beginning of the movie, um, said to Loki, it took me quite a while to get out of your spell. Um, Frigga would have been proud. And um, I love that he kind of affirms Loki as his son there, too, even though not biological. Um, and I have a question here. Um so we see that the Hulk is fighting Fenrir, the big dog thing. Um, basically Hela's pet war dog or whatever. Um, which 
By the way, war dogs seem, seem to be a thing in the MCU. I will get into that in a second, actually, now that I'm on that topic. But, um, yeah, we see Hulk fighting Fenrir, and um, we see that he defeats him by, like, throwing him off the edge of the water. And so we don't see Fenrir die. And given the logic that we have within the MCU, if we do not see an on-screen death, we can assume that that character is still alive and they're going to come back somehow, somewhere. So my question is, where did Fenrir end up? And when's he coming back? <laughs> it might just be an off-screen death. I don't know, but I highly doubt that. Again, given the logic that we've gotten so far. Um... Like a classic case of that was with Loki at the end of the first Thor movie where he fell off into space. Everybody thought he died and then, oh, lo and behold, it's coming back in Avengers. Um, and so, I don't know. Just a thought. Where is Fenrir? What's he up to these days? Um, is it kind of like in Thor The Dark World where you have the giant um, creature from Jotunheim um, just frolicking about London, chasing birds and cats and whatnot? I don't know. Uh, or birds like a cat, really. Um, so, I don't know. Where is Fenrir? Uh, that's a big question that I have. And so, speaking of war dogs, we have actually three different type of war dogs in the MCU, if you really think about it. Because in Black Panther, um, they have war dogs. They mention war dog tattoos. Um, the war dogs throughout the world will equip... Um, people with vibranium weapons. Um, so Wakanda has war dogs of their own. And then in Infinity War, um, you have the battle in Wakanda with um, Thanos' army of war dogs. I, I think even Rocket is kind of like, come at me, war dogs. And so you have those war dogs. And then you have this one last war dog, Fenrir. Um, Basically used by Hela within war, and he's a dog, so I'm going to call him a war dog. So war dogs just kind of seem to be a thing within the MCU. Uh, just noticing a connection there. I don't know what the significance of it is, but maybe. Um, also, we have Cosmo now, so we'll see if he becomes a war-ish kind of dog. He is kind of seeming to be joining the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, or she, my bad, Cosmo's a girl. Um, we obviously know that, <laughs> given... The voice um, within the Guardians Holiday Special. So yeah, we know that Cosmo is going to be joining the Guardians. So we'll see if we can call her a war dog later on when Guardians Volume 3 comes out. So yeah, war dogs are a thing in the MCU in one way or another. So that's kind of interesting. So I think that covers it for my thoughts on the film in general. Let's move on to the devotional. It reads, In Thor Ragnarok, Thor, the god of thunder, faces the most personal challenge of his 1500 years of life up to this point. He returns to Asgard to find that his brother Loki has used his magic to exile Odin, their father, from the kingdom only to take the throne himself, disguised as Odin, and his best friend Heimdall is in hiding from Loki for being wrongly accused of treason. Then, once Thor exposed Loki's magical scheme to the people of Asgard, the two brothers went to Earth to retrieve the real Odin from exile only for them to be told that they have an evil older sister before witnessing their father's death. Immediately after this tragic event, 
This evil sister, Hela, makes her entrance. Thor ends up tossing Mjolnir, his hammer, at her only for her to catch it and destroy it. Throughout the rest of the film, Thor struggles to fight without his beloved hammer. There's even a moment where he reaches for it out of instinct only to immediately realize that it will not come to his hand. We as humans often find ourselves dependent upon certain things in certain situations. A musician depends upon the use of and accuracy of a tuner to make sure that each note is as precisely in tune as possible. Drivers depend upon their seatbelts for safety should they crash. But dependency on material possessions is not always a good thing. Many people depend on alcohol to ease the pains of life, if only for a moment. Some depend upon financial wealth to gain happiness. But these are only things that exist on earth and not in heaven. That's why it's important to only depend on something eternal that cures pain and brings joy. The only thing that fits that description is God. Only He will bring eternal comfort and joy. Matthew 11.28 John 16.33 John 14.27 Thor had become so dependent upon Mjolnir that he forgot that it does not give him his powers for it was actually a tool to focus his power. We as believers have the same power that rose Christ from the dead in us. Romans 8.11, and that power is the Holy Spirit. We are not to be dependent on the things of this world that claim to be empowering, for they are temporary and overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thor's ability to create lightning is like the power of the Spirit in us, and we are to focus it with the wisdom that only the Spirit brings so that others may know the saving power of Jesus, and to do good works along the way. Thor remembered his power and it made him a better warrior for learning to use it without Mjolnir. What worldly things have you become dependent upon for your own gain? Will you let them go and let God take their place, knowing that it is his will that should be done and not your own? How can you serve to build God's kingdom? Will you depend on the Holy Spirit to guide you and work in and through you? So I just wanted to talk about worldliness here for a second. And what I, what I mean by worldliness is to be attached to the things that are of this world, man-made things, things that God didn't create. Um, I, always, I always like to think back to the seven days of creation, or should I say six, where at the end of each day, God created things. And at the end of those days, he looked onto those things and declare them to be good. Now, I like to use that as a tool because if I find myself attached to something and God would not declare it to be good, then I should move myself away from that thing. I shouldn't find myself to be dependent upon that thing. Um, I should find myself to be dependent upon the Lord. Now, that is not to say that God cannot redeem things. Um, it's not to say that God can't use bad things, things that man has made, to redeem man as well. Like, um, let's say soda. That's an easy thing, right? God didn't create soda, but he allowed for man to create it. And so God could use soda, like, say, at a pizza party or something, or... I don't know, let's drink some sodas and talk about Jesus. God can use that as a way to bring people together to glorify him. Um, and that's not exactly what I'm talking about here. But what I mean by worldliness is being dependent upon things 
to bring yourself joy or happiness. Like I mentioned in the devotional, alcohol. Um, a lot of people use alcohol to um, escape from the tortures of life, to escape from the things that just do not make them happy. Um, and so in order to become happy, they want to escape the things that depress them to in- decrease their likelihood of that depression and therefore increasing their likelihood of that happiness. Um, now that's not a good dependency. We should allow our dependency to be on the Lord, for He is our comfort and joy. I mentioned a few verses within um, the devotional here that testify to how we should look up to God as our comfort and joy. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, this is Jesus speaking, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John sixteen thirty three. this is Jesus speaking, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And John fourteen twenty seven says, with Jesus also speaking here, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, the thing about the things of the world that we might find ourselves dependent upon to bring comfort and joy is that either they will all fade away or that they will have the appearance of giving you joy and comfort, but really they're just destroying you. Um, And those things will also fade away. So I think that there is great comfort in what Jesus said in that last passage there, John 14, 27, where he says, Take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, Which means he has overcome the things that will fade away. He has overcome the things that um, seek to destroy under this facade of happiness. And so I, I take comfort in that. Um, and so that's why it's important to cling to something that is eternal and the only thing that is really worth our time with that um, is Christ himself because he is eternal he is the author of time he is the alpha the omega the beginning and end and so if we depend upon him we are dependent upon the author of time and he loves us because he created us And you know what? On the sixth day of creation, when God created man, he looked at that and he saw that it was good. He declared it to be good. If you really think about it, man was the very last thing that God created. I mean, other than Eve, um, at some time after he created Adam, of course. But within that whole week of creation, the last thing that God created was human beings. And we were the last thing that God created that he declared to be good within that week. And I I think that's a pretty phenomenal thing to think about. Um, So, yeah, don't become dependent upon worldly things, even though they might seem like they're so good, so juicy. Um, That's kind of what led to the fall in the first place. Um, Satan tempted Adam and Eve with, hey, this fruit looks pretty good. Might want to eat it. Um, actually, the temptation wasn't necessarily about the fruit itself tasting good, but what was behind that fruit, because it came from the knowledge of good and evil. 
uh, it came from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So just to recap, it's important not to become dependent upon worldly things no matter how good they may appear. That it's good to be dependent upon the Lord for he is outside of time and he loves us for he created us and called us good. Now again, we were corrupted, but then we can be restored to him through Jesus Christ is the whole reason that Jesus Christ came to earth in the first place as a baby. I mean, right now it's Christmas time. It's actually two days before Christmas for me right now. And so it's the reason that Jesus was born was to restore humanity to the Father. Um, and so let's not forget that this season. So I have several other biblical themes that I want to talk about with you all today. Um, the first of them is very similar to what we've just been talking about Um and it comes from the character of Valkyrie at the beginning. Uh, we see that she has become dependent upon alcohol to go through her grief. And um, like she was in that battle against Hela with all the other Valkyrie and she lost all of her sisters in battle. Um, and so she even says to Thor, I figured that Sakaar would be a good place to go and hide and to forget about my um, sisters or forget about all the grief and whatnot. And so she drowns herself in alcohol. And that's not a good thing. Um, I'm calling this point grief avoidance because um, she is trying to avoid her grief rather than go through it. And I think this is a great time to remind people that um, sometimes the best thing to do is grow to go through the hard things rather than avoid them because then if we avoid them then they're just going to come lingering back to us anyway so we might as well just go through it and then when we go through it we'll come out of it all the stronger for it all the better for it it grows us as a person grows us as people um, and so i think it's important that we go through that grief Again, in a manner that doesn't show that we're dependent upon the things of the world like Valkyrie was, but that we take our grief to the Lord and we we pray that God would guide us through that to see his glory in it and to help us glorify him through it. Um, and again, it kind of leads back to um, how powerful our testimonies can be. When we tell our testimonies to people, you know, you just don't know who can get something out of it, who might be able to relate and see that they're not alone in their grief. And that might be just enough to um, help them along further in life, to strengthen them, to bring them comfort and joy for that. So the next biblical theme I have for y'all right now is the idea of lying to cover up a sin or even a dark past. And we see that Hela has revealed that Odin has done just that when she throws the knives at the ceiling only to reveal the artistry that is under what artistry that Thor and Loki have always known to be there. And it shows the story of Hela and Odin's conquest. So at some point, Odin realized that the conquest that they had was wrong and he didn't need to take over the entire universe he was just becoming a villain at that point so um even hella says that he decided to become a benevolent king um 
And he saw some, she saw something wrong with that, but Odin was correct to stop doing that. So for an example of this kind of thing, I think back to, well, not think back to, but think to the story of David with Bathsheba. He committed adultery and he found out that she became pregnant. So to cover that up, he decided to try to get Uriah to sleep with his wife and he wouldn't do it. And so um, David kind of just still wanted to cover up that sin of adultery. And so he basically, um, after Uriah wouldn't sleep with his wife, uh, he basically had Uriah murdered in battle, um, even took Bathsheba for his own wife. Um, so it was just a very horrible situation. And um, David later on repents of that after being confronted by the prophet Nathan for having committed this sin. Um, and he writes what we now know as Psalm 51. And um, so it basically is you start off with a sin and to cover up that sin, you commit more sin. And then all of a sudden you realize I'm trying to cover up so much sin going on. Um, and then that's why it's so important to repent because it just lets go of all of that. It leaves that behind you. It shows your regret for it. Um, and then you and everybody else can move on. Um, and yes, it's also on them to be at peace with that. Um, anybody who's been affected by that sin. Um, and if they don't have peace with that, um, then there's something going on in their heart too. Um, and that can be hard to hear. Uh, I know. Um, and so I pray for those who do um, have those sins in their past that they just really want to let go of. But take it to God. He knows your heart. He created you. He formed your inward parts. Um, Psalm 139 tells us that um, He formed our inward parts before He created us in our mother's womb. He knew us. And um, so He will understand when we go to Him and repent of our sins. The next biblical theme that I kind of want to talk about here comes from the moment where they're talking about going through the Einstein Rosen Bridge and they're looking out the window and they see all these different um, portals basically out to space somewhere. Um, and so it has it's like so many doorways and um, it kind of links back to earlier when I talked about going through grief. Sometimes you have to go through the most difficult path to get to where you need to be. And that's kind of what Thor and the gang had to do here. They had to go um, through the thing that they called the devil's anus. And um, they had to go through the path with the most danger to get to Asgard really quickly. And um, sometimes it's the hardest paths in life that we have to take to do the right thing in order to go where God wants us. Jesus never told the disciples about the paths that their lives would take after his crucifixion and resurrection, but they were obedient to him in serving him and in spreading the gospel throughout the earth. And that led to some horrible demises for them. I think only one of them had a peaceful death. All the other ones were tortured in some way that led them to die. Um, if you want to read about the disciples' deaths, just 
please go look it up somewhere. Um, it's both fascinating and sad, and it's also um, kind of encouraging too, because then you realize that even if they're willing to die in such ways for the good news that they had witnessed to, then why shouldn't we? Um, we owe it to them as well to um, spread the gospel self-sacrificially. Um, and so sometimes we have to go through the hardest path to get to where we need to be because it might end up being the only path that actually leads to the goal. So the last biblical theme that I want to talk about comes from the line that I said was my favorite uh, where Heimdall says, Asgard is not a place, it's a people. And basically, just replace the word Asgard with the church to say, the church is not a place, it's a people. See, there's a common misconception in today's world where we like to use the vernacular um, for the word church to describe the place that we're going to. Hey, I'm going to church tomorrow morning, would you like to come with me? That kind of thing. And... Um, Really, what the church is, it's a people. It is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, um, that make up the church. Um, so, thinking about this, um, if you think about it with the body of Christ, um, it also talks about in Ephesians to take on the armor of the Lord. Um, and so the body of Christ should take on that armor as well. The church should take on that armor as a whole and as individuals. If you think about the church as the bride of Christ, then you notice that the church itself is the nurturer of the believer, of the individual believer. Um, and then God is our Father. Um, and so just really think about those metaphors for a second and how what they mean for the church as a whole body and for the individual believer, because um, I love that. And plus, when you have the church as a people and not a place, then when the church building is destroyed, you're not destroying the church, you're just destroying the gathering place. Now, yes, um, Scripture does tell us that the church is to be the house of the Lord, the place where the Lord dwells. Um, kind of like the temple in the Old Testament um, and New Testament, and kind of like the tabernacle in the times of Moses. And also with this idea of the church being a people and not a place, kind of makes it further important to know that we should have that unity as the body of believers. We shouldn't have quarrels among us, as Paul tells us time and time again throughout his letters within the New Testament. So, just remember that the church is a people, not a place. I think that does it for all of Thor Ragnarok. Um, you can find this podcast on any platform of your choice. You can also find this podcast on Facebook. Um, search for MCU Devos. On Instagram, at MCU Devos. On Twitter, at MCU Devos Podcast. And on TikTok at Oh How Marvelous Podcast. So be sure to check us out there. So before we close out the episode today, I told y'all at the beginning of this episode that I am doing a giveaway. And so what the giveaway is, is an unopened, still within its plastic, deck of cards that is Marvel themed. 
And so how you will enter to win is you will message me, whether it's a video or a written message, through either one of the social media platforms or send me an email at mcudevos at gmail.com and then you'll be entered for the drawing and what you will do there is um, tell me one of your favorite moments from the podcast or from the MCU or a favorite Bible passage um, and explaining your answer and you can also give a combination of any of those I highly encourage the Bible passage one um, I might even share some answers here on the podcast or on the TikTok video. Speaking of the TikTok video, um, I did post a TikTok video um, showing you what the deck of cards looks like. So be sure to check out that video. Um, and I will announce the winner and the end game episode of this podcast. And um, if you happen to hear it, before I get to you, um, just if, if you're the winner and you happen to hear it before I get to you um, in contacting you, um, feel, feel free to just reach out to me and be like, oh, hey, that's me. Um, and I'll get the info that I need from you. Um, I did say in the video, though, that it is six episodes, including this one right now until Endgame, when in fact the answers there should have been four. So you have three more episodes now um, to enter your um, info, um, to make your entry into the drawing there. Um, I will make the entry, or I'll make the drawing um, on the Endgame episode. I think I'll wait towards the end of that episode to do the drawing, which is looking very much likely that that episode will be coming out either January 19th or 20th, somewhere thereabouts. So you still have just about a month to uh, make your entry. So be sure to do that. You don't want to miss that one out. So be sure to um, send me your messages um, with a video or written message of your favorite um, moment from the podcast, the MCU, or a Bible passage. And I will put your name in the drawing, only one entry per person. And um, I can't wait to see who wins this um, deck of cards, Marvel-themed. Um, it really does look really cool. It does look really sharp. Um, I said in the video that I posted um, about the drawing that it does come from this website called Theory11, and you can go check that out. It has all kinds of... Not just Marvel-themed deck of cards, but it's all sorts of nerdy kind of decks of cards. So be sure to check that out. Um, so I think that officially does it for Thor Ragnarok. We'll see you next time when we cover Ant-Man and the Wasp on Oh How Marvelous.